God bless you. If you were expecting a cookie cutter service in which we'd be dismissing already, you're in for a shock. Uh, when you come to this church, please don't put your toes in the water. Just like when it's cold, a cold swimming pool, you just got to jump all the way in. You can't just put your toes in. You got to jump in and allow God, the glory of God to carry you throughout this service to the, to the destination he wants for you. And the destination that he wants for you is freedom in him. We can't rush God, and we don't rush God, and we don't apologize for it. We ask God to come into our services and do exactly what he needs to do by his Holy Spirit. We don't rush doctors when we're on the operating table. We want them to do everything that they can do while we're cut open. So God, while we're cut open, we pray that you would have your way in this place. Look inside of our hearts. Cut away everything that does not belong there, God. Create in us a clean heart and renew the right spirit within us today. As the word goes forth this morning, May it go forth with power and might. May the word have nothing to do with me. May the word be divinely inspired by the king of heaven. I thank you that as the word goes forth, that faith comes by the hearing of this word. We take authority over Satan right now in Jesus' name. We take authority over ourselves. We take authority over the world. We take authority over sin and death all through Jesus Christ. We are his followers. We are his beloved. We are his disciples. We are his people who are called by his name. And we declare now that truth is going to come forth and break off shackles, break off lies, break off opinions, break off religion, break off wrong teaching, break off errors. In Jesus' name, may your word do what it came to do and may it go back performed and complete. In Jesus' name, Amen. Can we give God praise one more time, church? <laughs> praise the Lord. Can we thank our praise team this morning as well? Thank you so much for your sacrifice this morning. Praise the Lord. Wow. Thank you, Father. Today's message, uh, we're in a series called Exercising Authority. We began talking about how God needs to be put back into the highest position because that's where he belongs. We know that our government has tried to tear him down. Media, society has tried to tear him down. They want to make him small enough, small, and they want to make man big. They want to keep God down so that the plans of the enemy can rise up, so that the Antichrist spirit, when it arrives, well, it's here, but when it makes itself known that um, men will be already be ready to bow down to something other than God, and we just resist that in Jesus' name. So we've put God back into a place of authority here, and we understand that it is his name that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess as well. So we establish that he is Lord of all, and I our first message. And then last week, we began to talk about the authority that we have in the Holy Spirit. Church, can you say Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit. 
the authority that we have in the Holy Spirit, we see, we've seen God move mightily upon Samson. The, uh, the, the, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson, and he was able to use the jawbone of an animal and slay a thousand men or more. And so we see that the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament would visit and set up, settle on men, but in the New Testament, God has called the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of men as a new creation in Christ. So that same power that Jesus walked with when he was here on earth is available to the believer because we have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the way that we receive the Holy Spirit is the thing that we did at the end of service last year. The Bible says this, if we desire to have the Holy Spirit, all we need to do is first of all, of course, be saved and be born again. But other than that, we just ask. Church, can you say ask? He says, if men being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more shall our Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who do what? Ask. So the question is, have you asked? The Bible says you have not. Why? Because you ask not. So today's message is entitled, Exercising Authority, Overcoming Our Opposition. Who's ready to win today? We're going to win today. We got a couple people in the crowd that hope another team wins today, but we'll see what happens, right? May the best team win later on, but God's already won already, right? So we don't need to see who's going to win. We know who's going to win, and we are on the winning side as well. Praise the Lord. So overcoming our opposition. The authority we've been given is exercised through our faith in Jesus Christ alone, the one who overcame the world. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm going to read this to you, verses 3 through 23. We're going to learn about our opposition today and our authority in Christ. Today is the day where you will learn that through Jesus Christ that you have no opposition that can conquer you, that you are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Someone should say amen to that. You are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Alone, you're going to get beat up. In Christ, you're going to have victory. So we must position ourselves in Christ. I want you to know this, that in order to exercise authority, to be in authority, we must be under authority. And we are under the authority of Jesus Christ. So listen to this. All praise to God. This is the plan of God, right, from the beginning of time. As you see these signs here, love, identity, faith, eternal purpose. Listen to the eternal purpose that God had for us. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. How many spiritual blessings? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God. Let's have a praise break right there. So we praise God. Uh, the, the Super Bowl is going to be way louder than that. So we praise God. There we go. For the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. 
He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will or his eternal purpose regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Under the authority of who? Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For, those, for, those, for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit who he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Ever since I heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in the knowledge of God. I, your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Finally, verse 19 through 23 says this. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. Say this with me, church. I pray... That I will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for me because I believe in him. All right. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realm. Now, he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church church and the church is his body it is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself church can you say amen, amen. so the fact is that Adam was never God's plan to give us full dominion and authority in the earth it was Jesus all along it was always Jesus. Jesus was not God's backup plan. Jesus was God's original plan, right? He knew the weakness of man. He knew that, that, that Adam could not obey, especially in the presence of a deceiver, especially in the father of all liars, the devil. But he had a plan all along. And that plan was to give all authority to Jesus Christ and that we, the church, would benefit from that authority. Say this with me, church. I have, I have authority, authority 
in Jesus Christ. All right, you have authority in Christ. Outside of Christ, when you are in sin, you are powerless. You are under the authority of the enemy. But when you have, when you are in Christ, you do have all power and authority. But we've got some opponents in this world. We've got some opposition in this world. And although it is defeated for those who are born again, it is still present for those who are not. And our first opponent in this world is sin and death. For God told Adam, the moment that you uh, eat of this tree, you shall surely die. And then we're also told that the wages of sin is what? Death. So if we come into this world as sinners born in sin, then we're headed only to death. So our first opponent in this world is sin and death. Let's go to Genesis chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. It says this, God is talking to Cain. It says, why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain? Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were there in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. So our first opponent in this world is sin. And uh, we're just born with it. I never sat my kids down and said, okay, guys, today's lesson is lying. Are you ready to learn how to lie? Today's lesson is cheating. Today's lesson is being angry and, and fighting. Today's lesson is arguing. I never had to teach my children sin because the Bible says that we are born into sin. So sin is our first opponent. And if we don't defeat sin, then the reward of sin or the wage and payment of sin is death. And I don't want to die. And and I don't want to die forever. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to be lost. So something has to be done with this opponent of mine called sin. Who can destroy sin? How can sin be eliminated from my bloodline? How can sin be eliminated from my mind? These sinful desires, how can they be crushed? How can they be removed from me? What will happen to this sin? See, When we are under the authority of the enemy, then we are under the power of sin, and sin is bondage, right? So who is the conqueror of sin? How do we obtain authority over sin and death? Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, and it says this. This is talking about God and why he allowed Jesus to come and the purpose that Jesus had. It says this. For he made him, being Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Can someone say, praise the Lord? So that's what happened, right? So Adam brought sin in. And Jesus came to take sin out. Jesus was the only sinless one to ever walk this earth. And the the Lord God put sin upon Jesus Christ while he hung upon that cross. And he who was innocent became guilty for us all. So since all of us had a sin problem, Jesus became the answer to our sin problem and sin nature. Jesus died on the cross so that we might have a new godly nature and the 
sin nature could be destroyed in us. How do we know that Jesus overcame both sin and death? I'm trying to preach to you this morning and tell you that your authority over sin is through Jesus Christ. That you can't defeat sin by yourself. I'm telling you that you can read a thousand books on willpower. You can go to a thousand treatment centers. It doesn't matter. The power to overcome sin only comes through Jesus Christ. So when you're tired of sinning and say, God, I've tried on my own to defeat sin by myself, he says, stop trying and just rest in me. I've already done it. Put your faith in me. Don't try to defeat sin. Listen to me. Don't try to defeat sin. Jesus already defeated sin. So what we have to do is say, I come under the authority of Jesus Christ and sin has no more power in my life. He became sin who knew no sin so that I might have his righteousness. How many desire his righteousness over sin? And you acquired it already. It's already been purchased for you by faith. Listen to me. We never, ever have to sin again but we will. And there's only one reason we sin again is because we want to. Not because we ever have to, but only because we want to. Because the power of sin has been broken in that man named Jesus Christ. And as long as our faith is in his authority, sin has no remedy for us. We are free from sin. Now, let's listen to the scripture that gives us the, the statement of victory. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 57 say this. See, this is taunting now. This is taunting. Listen. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's praise God for that this morning. Now, had I brought you a plate of cold chicken wings and half gone, uh, I shouldn't be talking about food because I'm so hungry right now. Then that applause you just gave, that would have been worthy of cold chicken wings and half-eaten buffalo chicken dip. I'm not sure you heard what I just said, though. That our greatest opponent that lived inside of us, sin and death, has been defeated. And verse 57 says, but thank God, that the, I think that's kind of like a command, that we should thank God that he gives us victory over sin and death. But how? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. So listen, the next time sin comes knocking on your door, the next time temptation comes knocking at your door, don't you dare get up and answer that door, sin Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying? The next, time, the next time sin tries to come and conquer you, don't you say, well, I, 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 can, I can do it. I can handle it. I'm strong. No, you are not. You send Jesus to the door and say, Jesus, oh, Jesus, temptation's here. Watch temptation flee. Oh, Jesus, sin is here. Where? Watch sin flee, right? Because it's through Jesus Christ that we have victory over sin and death. Let's say amen to that. All right, sin, down goes sin and death. Back in the day, there was a famous quote 
uh, when uh, uh, Muhammad Ali knocked down Joe Frazier, said, down goes Frazier, down goes Frazier. Well, down goes sin and death. Can you say that with me? Down goes sin and death. Come on again. Down goes sin and death. Praise the Lord. What a victory. Jesus, the heavyweight champion of the universe, knocked out sin and death. Our next opponent is the world. Our next opponent is the world. 1 John 2, 15 through 17 says this. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving or a lust for physical pleasure, a craving or a lust for everything we see, and a craving or a lust for pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but from this world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So when we're born into sin, right, lust becomes the magnet for the sin that used to live inside of us. For when the law came, it gave sin its power, right? So all those things that are going on this in this world that we should not be partaking of, as long as sin still lives inside of you, there'll be a pull towards it. And that pull is called lust. Can you say lust? So listen to me. There's sin. There was sin inside of us before we were born again. Now, all that is in this world, the Bible says, all that is in this world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And if you've got sin on the inside of you, lust is the magnet that pulls you in to those things. Now, I, uh, before I was a Christian, I had lust problems. Seeing if anybody's looking at me funny, because you did too. I'm looking for judgment in, in your eyes. Do I see any judgment? All right, I can move on. All right, so we all had problems with lust before we were born again. Because the sin nature is attracted to the things of this world. But once you're born again, our love for the world it's broken, right? We've got to break up with the world. And the problem with most of the church today is we got two lovers. We want Jesus on this arm, and we want the world on this arm. And when we walk in the church, we go like this and get rid of the world and say, Oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, your presence is heaven to me. And then on the way out, psst, back with the world again. Two lovers. We can't have two lovers. The Bible says we have to love one and hate the other, right? So we've got to break up with the world. The influences of the world are very strong. Be careful, even with the new nature, if you subject yourself to lustful things, you can get pulled in again. Question for you, and none of you lie. How many of you have sinned after salvation? Every single one of us, right? Why? It's because something happened in which lust was reactivated and we reached out for the things of this world again. But thank God that he is gracious. 
thank God that we can repent and turn away from the things of this world again. So man, lust seems to be a big one. The opposition, our opponent called the world, seems to be a pretty big opponent because the world is filled with lust. So how are we going to overcome the world? Let's go to Galatians chapter 1, verse 4. Listen to this. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned, in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. Wow. So Jesus Christ was God's plan to not only knock out sin and death, but also to come back and knock out the world, the power that the world had over man. John 3, 16 through 20 says this, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, praise God, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light. Remember what I told you? All that is in this world is the love of, 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 of the flesh, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Let's call that darkness, okay? But then Jesus came into the world bringing light, saying, hey, you don't have to obey lust anymore. I'm here to bring you all freedom. So then what happened then? God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light. Why? For their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear that their sins will be exposed. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that if anyone in this sanctuary or listening online is under the power of lust, we thank you, God, that through your son, Jesus Christ, the world has been overcome. For your word says that I have overcome the world. So I thank you that you stand victorious over the worldly systems. You stand victorious over lust, and you made it from infancy to the cross without being subjected to lust. You were the sinless one. And your Holy Spirit that was in you is now in us. So we now have the power to go through this world but not be of this world. And for that, we say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, can you say this with me? Down goes goes. the world. So our opposition called the world has been knocked out by Jesus too. Amen. So, so far he's two for two. He knocked out sin and death and now he's knocked out the world and everything he knocks out. Listen to me. Woo! Everything he knocks out goes down. Right? Why down? Because he is high and lifted up. And why? And and when Jesus knocked it down, it didn't get back up. Why? Because we're able to walk in victory now. We're able to walk on lust. We're able to walk over sin and death. All those things are under our feet because Jesus has knocked them out. And every once in a while, they'll try to rise up again. But don't you go fighting them in your own authority. You say, hey, what are you doing up? Jesus already commanded you to be knocked down. So I declare in Jesus' name, say this with me, church. I declare in Jesus' name that any lust that rises up in me 
must fall down by the authority of Jesus Christ, my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now give him praise this morning. The devil would have you try yourself to get free from addiction. Try yourself to be lust because he knows if he can get you into the ring by yourself, he's got you. We don't have to fight somebody that's got beat up already. We just have to remain in the authority of the victory that Jesus Christ has won for us. Let's keep going now. Um, now we have another opponent that needs dealt with, and that opponent is Satan. Satan himself, right? He is one of our opponents in this world, especially for the non-believer. He totally dominates the non-believer. Those who are in sin, they get dominated by the enemy. We once were there. We were dominated. We did dumb stuff, didn't we? We did some real dumb stuff, right? Get paid on Friday in the bar all Saturday and Sunday, broke on Monday. Maybe that wasn't your testimony, but it was some of ours, right? We allowed sin to control us, and we did stuff. And I, I tell the kids this uh, at some of the schools that I teach in uh, as, a, as a police officer in the schools. I tell them sometimes if I pull over someone that has been drinking and driving, and I say, why would you do this? Why wouldn't you get a designated driver? They'll say something like this. I don't know. And I tell, them, I tell the kids, how many of you got in trouble in the last 30 days at school or at home? About every hand goes up. I said, you know what? A lot of you, when your parents said, why did you do that? I know exactly what you said. Let me tell you what you said. I don't know. And I've come to find out that people aren't lying when they say that. Because when you're under the rule of sin, and when you're under the dominion of sin, sometimes you don't know why you did it, right? Now listen to me. Flip Wilson was wrong. The devil does not make us do anything, right? But however, he can present temptations to us. Remember, because all that is in this world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Let's hear up about this loser, our opponent called Satan. We're going to Job chapter 6, verse 12. Here's what it says. One day, the members of the heavenly courts came to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser, Satan, so he's an accuser. Say accuser. So listen to what he does to you. He tries to draw you into sin, and then he can accuse you for what you just did. He accuses you for the same thing he brought you into temptation for. So we've got to be aware of his tactics, okay? The enemy's trying to lure you into sin just so that he can accuse you. Wow, we're getting played like dummies. He's doing it just so he can accuse us of being a sinner when he's the one that tried to make us fall. Let's keep going here. All right. Where have you come from, the Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Satan replied to the Lord, yes, but Job has a good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him in his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. 
was. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. All right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. So we see what what the devil does in this world. He goes about seeking who he can devour. He can't devour everybody, right? But there are some people whose lives have been opened up and to which it allows the enemy to come in. And sin is one of those main breaches in our protection that allows the enemy to come in and to attack us. So the devil had already made attempts to attack Job, but found him to be surrounded by the Lord's favor. So then why was Job protected? The Bible says that he was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. That's what puts a hedge of protection around us. Let's go learn some more about our foe called Satan. We're in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. It says this, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil, He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So the devil is our great enemy, our adversary. He's the one that we're exercising the authority we've been given against. Finally, Ephesians 6.12 tells us about our opponents in this world. It says this, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So we've got opponents that we can't see, and the Bible calls them powerful. So how are we going to deal with this unseen foe? How are we going to deal with this fallen angel named Lucifer or Beelzebub? How are we going to take him out? We're not. But Jesus did. Let's listen to this. Let's go to Luke chapter 10, verses 18 through 20. Remember I told you years ago, Muhammad Ali was able to hit Joe Frazier, and the commentator said, down goes Frazier, down goes Frazier. Because people back in that day, sometimes you could only be entertained by sitting next to a radio, Right? There was no pay-per-view boxing. You have to listen. And the commentator would have to be very colorful because not everybody could see it happen. All right? So listen to this, com- listen to this color commentation right here. Luke 10, 18 through 20. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. So down goes Satan. Down goes Satan, right? Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. So amen. Let's give God praise on that this morning. Jesus told the disciples, here's here's something I want you to know about your foe. Here's something I want you to know about the darkness and dark powers and demons. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning and look, I have given you, church say, authority. I have given you authority, all right? Now, we know that that Satan has power, and it says great power. But listen to what the word says right here. I have given you authority over 
all the power of the enemy. Church, you say over all of the power. Christ has given us power over all of the power of the enemy. Let's keep going. Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11 says this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came. So you see the nature of the devil is to come, right? And said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say. Church, can you say the scripture says? That is power and authority. When you quote the Bible, when you use scripture, that is a right-hand dominating punch to the devil. And that's exactly what the Lord was hitting him with. He was hitting him with the word. He says, no, the scripture says people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, the devil's main trick is to lie and deceive you with words. So you've got to use the word back as a weapon. And not your words, but you use the word of the Lord. That's why the devil and, and, and the enemy tries to make the Bible so boring. Because it's your power against him. That's why we can be on TikTok for an hour, but be in Psalms for a minute. I'm telling on me too. Because the world wants to entertain. But the word wants to empower. So which one would you rather, which one would you want, uh, if you had to fight somebody, you would want them to be entertained, wouldn't you? If you had to fight someone, get into a boxing ring with someone, you would want them sitting around watching TV, eating QP, and not taking the fight very seriously, right? So that when you came to the fight, they're all, on a, somebody help me up here, right? That they have nothing going for them, didn't exercise, have no power, and just like they can knock themselves out trying to throw a punch, right? So you would want your opposition to be entertained and not empowered. You would not, you would not want them pulling trains, right? You would not want them doing bench pressing and jogging every day and eating vegetables. You would not, you would not want your opponent doing that. And we are the enemy's opponents, and he wants us entertained more than empowered. So we've got to be very careful about where we spend our time. Are we spending time in entertainment more than we are in empowerment? And it would make sense of why the devil can knock some of us out so easily. Because where is our power and authority? It's in Christ and it's in the word. So throughout the rest of these scriptures, the Lord comes back with the word of God each time. And finally in verse 10, he says... Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. So we see that through Jesus Christ, we have been given. Say this with me. Through Jesus Christ, I have been given all authority over all the power of Satan. In Jesus' name. Amen. So it's all through Jesus. Funnel it all through Jesus. Every fight through Jesus, right? Now, we're to our last opponent. And I, sir, I saved our biggest opponent for last. What do you mean? Sin and death wasn't our biggest opponent? Nope. What do you mean? The world wasn't our biggest opponent? Nope. 
What do you mean? Satan wasn't our biggest opponent? No. So who is our biggest opponent? Our greatest opposition is ourselves. Your greatest opponent is yourself. How, how do I know this? Because, listen to what we just said, that sin and death, defeated. The world, defeated. Satan, defeated. So who's still fighting? Us. We are the last ones that we need to conquer ourselves. All right? So in the, it started in the very beginning when Adam and Eve desired the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They partook of it. They became rebellious against God. And now that same desire lives among us today. The rebellious desire to have knowledge apart from God. And, and it, it led us to lose our authority over ourselves. You want to know what it sounds like to not be an authority of yourself? Many of us are not in authority of ourselves because we're not under the authority of Jesus Christ. Listen to what it sounds like to not be in authority over yourself. We're in Romans 7, 14 through 24, and this is going to wrap it up here pretty quickly. Listen to this. This is what it sounds like to not be in authority over that last opponent called self. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me. Church, can you say this with me? The trouble is, the trouble is with, me. with me. Come on, y'all. This is the final battle. This is the final victory that we need to receive through Jesus Christ. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself. Come on. I, I hope this is preaching to you. I hope that you can say that this is you sometimes. I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. So when we do wrong, church, it means that there is still sin living in us that does it. Verse 18. And I know, man, come on. We, we got to say this. This is a revelation that we need to have. Please say this with me. And I know, and I know that, nothing that nothing good lives in me. That is... In my, in my sinful nature, sinful nature. Period. period, exclamation point. We got to have that confession. You better know that you are all jacked up apart from God. You better know that your sinful nature is a mess, and except for the salvation of Jesus Christ, we were headed for hell and destruction. So you better know that all by yourself, that nothing good lives inside of you. What's the evidence of that? Verse 19, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, am I, the, am I not really the one doing wrong? It is sin living in me that does it. Verse 21, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. 
I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power. Church, can you say another power? Please remember the last person to get knocked out was Satan. And we've got all power over the enemy. But listen to this final power that lives in self sometimes. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Now, King David was a righteous man. But there was still some sin living on the inside of him. How do we know? Because he lusted after Bathsheba. And then she, he killed, had her husband murdered and tried to hide the fact that she was impregnated. This is King David, right? The one that's after God's own heart still had some sin living in him. So what did he say? Lord, come on. I want everybody to put your, your hand on your heart and say this with me. Lord. Create in me, me a clean heart, a clean heart. And, renew and renew the right spirit, the right spirit. In, me. in me, in Jesus' name, Jesus name. Amen. amen. Come on. So if a righteous king can commit adultery and murder someone because of sin still living in his heart, then we can't dare say, I'm okay. We need to say, Lord, if you find any sin living inside of me, I take authority over it now in Jesus' name. I have been set free from sin. So now we need to see, and Kimberly, you can come. In conclusion, we need to see how do we have authority over self? How do we knock out ourselves? How do we get free from the bondage of sin? Romans 7.25, you see, Paul answers his own question because verse 24 says this, Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? That was the question. Here is the answer. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's laws. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. So Jesus Christ is the answer. And when Jesus Christ walked this earth, he wowed the crowds, raised the dead, casted out demons, opened blind eyes. And they're like, wow, who is this authority figure? Even when he taught, they said, man, who is this? He is not like the teachers and the scribes. He teaches as one. Come on. He teaches as one that has authority. Church, can you say authority? And the authority of Jesus Christ has been given to us through faith by all who would believe on him. So he said, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ. So then how do we finally knock out that last opponent called self? We use the words of Jesus Christ himself in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 26. It says this, then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, well, who was he? He was a demon slaying, dead raising, eye opening, hungry feeding, life giving son of God. And he says, listen, if any of you 
want to be my follower, if you want to leave the darkness, if you want to leave the realm of sin and death in the world, if you want to be more than a conqueror, if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. So what is that saying? That the end of self's dominance and rule over us is when we say, Jesus, I will follow you even though it costs me my life. I will take this cross of self-sacrifice and die on it. Why do we have to carry a cross daily? Because the cross is our power against self. The cross is an instrument of death so that when you want to sin, you say, ah, that's what this cross is for. Let me freshly crucify myself. Church, can you say this with me? Freshly crucify. That's why we have a cross, because we still live in this world, and this world still has power, but the power has no control over us. But every once in a while, we will grow weak in our flesh, and we'll reach back for the world, and we need some kind of instrument of death. You see, death is the only answer for self. Death is the only thing that empowers us with the victory for Jesus Christ. Even Jesus himself had to go down the avenue of death to enter into his glory. So if we're going to enter into the authority of Jesus Christ, there has to come a dying of self where we put down our authority of our own self to say, you know what? I am nothing. There is no good thing in me. I give my life to you, Jesus. Because he says this in verse 24, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you yourself are lost or destroyed? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. So again, church, if anyone wants to exit the rebellion that leads to sin and death, they must denounce self-authority and humble themselves and follow Christ. If you want authority over yourself back, you must first be under his authority. Can you stand, please? And I'll read one more passage over you as we begin to close. The victory over self comes through salvation. The victory over self comes from being born again. The victory over self comes when your sinful nature is destroyed and you're, giving a, you're given a new nature and a new spirit called the Holy Spirit who will lead you and guide you into all truth, who will convict you of sin even before sin happens. If you want the final foe to be knocked out and knocked down, then you must do what Jesus said if you desire to follow him. Pick up your cross every day and deny yourself. So what we learned today is this, that self must be knocked out every day. Satan is permanently knocked out. The world is permanently knocked out. Sin and death is permanently knocked out. But self, we've got to pick up a cross and we've got to follow Jesus Christ every day. 
and say, Lord, I am under your authority. Lord, I no longer desire to rule myself. I don't wanna save this life anymore. I wanna lose it for you. And in that moment, we come under the full authority and power of heaven. In that moment, his life enters us. In that moment, our sins are forgiven. Romans 8, 1 through 8 is our last passage today. And it says this, so now, when church? So now, when church? So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature controls your mind, control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. Say this with me. The sinful nature is always hostile to God. All right. It never did obey God's laws. Self never did obey God's laws. And listen to this, it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. The last thing I want to tell you is this. I've told you that all these things have been defeated now, that we are now under the authority of Jesus Christ because sin and death are under his authority, so they're under our authority. The world is under his authority, so it's under our authority. Satan is under his authority, so now he's under our authority. And when we come to Jesus Christ, we become under his authority. Now we can rule ourselves under his authority as well. But there's something I got to tell you before you leave because although the fight is over it doesn't mean the enemy's still not trying to pick fights with you and there's just one thing you can do to make sure that you uh, to ensure that you have victory every time you fight the world sin and death Satan or self there's one thing I want you to know and it's this Mark 16 16 through 18 says this anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. Church, can you say, in my name? That's how you win. After you leave here today, I want you to know that all the authority of the world is under his feet. All the authority of sin and death is under his feet. All the authority of the devil is under his feet. And even the authority of your rebellious nature is now under his feet. But it's all through the name of 
Jesus Christ. So you don't fight with your intellect. You don't fight with willpower. You fight with the name that's already won, the name that's already above every name in heaven and earth and under the earth, and that name is Yeshua. That name is Jesus. That's the power that we have. All the power is in his name. Church, can you say this with me? In the name of Jesus. Again, in the name of Jesus. Again, in the name of Jesus. That's where all our authority and power lies. It's in the name of Jesus Christ himself. Father, I have given them what you've given me to give today. We are overcomers in Jesus Christ. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I thank you today that we now know that the devil's a liar and a loser and this world is no match for our Jesus because he has overcome the world. I thank you, God, that our salvation has been secured in you. We denounce our sinful nature. We denounce sin that leads to death. Sin, you have no more power over us. Addiction, you have no more power over us. Hurt and harm and depression and anxiety, you have no more hurt or harm that you can do to us. Your authority has been broken in the lives of believers. We now know the truth, and our belt of truth just got a little bit heavier today. Our belt of truth just got a little bit heavier today. We are armed with more truth and we now know that we've been given all power over Satan in the name of Jesus Christ. Every addiction is broken right now by the name of Jesus. Every sickness is healed right now by the name of Jesus Christ. Every bondage of, of Satan is broken right now in the name of Jesus Christ in this place right now. Fear, be gone. Spirit of fear, we cancel your assignment in our lives. Be gone in the name of Jesus Christ. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, be gone now in Jesus' name. We want nothing to do with you anymore. Power of self, we give it back to you, Jesus. We lose our lives so that we might gain your life. We lose our lives so that we might gain your life in the name of Jesus. If I could get the intercessors to come and any uh, elders or pastors that are here to come down to the altar. We've got a slide that will be going up shortly about what happens when we call upon the elders and those that are in faith of the church that we can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And also we pray in Jesus' name that all power over the enemy also would be broken. Now listen, if any of you desire salvation, we ask that you would come now as well and, and join us at the altar for prayer. If you have need of prayer for anything at all, I want you to come to this altar and I want you to come boldly. Now I'm going to dismiss everyone else.